0: Be dumb dumb enough to believe that it could actually happen. Do we need a BYU Sports Nation account on Mutual? I do not endorse that name.
1: All right, Tyler Maggum. I just won. I won. Hey, Spencer! I like fried
0: chicken. That's a summer topic for sure. The dating profile of BYU Yeah, the dating profile.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
1: If you're
0: watching on tv you may have noticed that we have some new hardware in Studio B, a Division One National Championship trophy. At least for the moment. For the first time ever, has graced the desk in Studio B. This is
1: nice. This is really nice.
0: And joining us now to celebrate this trophy and an incredible performance in Terre Haute, Indiana, is the head coach of BYU cross-country track and field, Ed Stone, and members of his team, Connor Mance, Jacob Hessington, and Brandon Garnica. Yeah, Welcome, gentlemen. Nice congratulations. Thank congratulations. Thank congratulations. We got,
1: we've
3: got new hats, too. Yeah. we got new Those hats. are nice, too.
1: They're not as <laughs> nice as this, but they're really nice.
3: What was the whole experience like? And let's start with you, Ed. Well, it was just really the culmination of 20 years of hard work and... Uh, uh, these guys really brought it brought it together, and it was a really fun day. There were some incredible conditions that they had to uh, uh, battle through, and uh, and we weren't the favorites. We weren't, you know, we were ranked third going in. I think that was kind of to our favor, uh, but we knew we had a chance. Our our theme all year long has been naivete be dumb enough to believe that it's possible. <laughs> and, the, and, the, <laughs> and the guys rose up, and we got it done.
0: That's the quote of the day. Be dumb, dumb enough to believe that it could actually happen. No, I love it so much. Uh, you mentioned the conditions that your team had to run through, and, and Brandon, I'd like you to comment on this. How how were the conditions in Terre Haute? Because it looked like a muddy mess.
4: Um, it was wet. I, honestly, I felt like I was being waterboarded. Not that I've ever been waterboarded, but there was just water being picked up, mud in my face. It was it was really gritty
1: were were you I mean were you freezing were you like Uh, could you feel it when you're running did you forget
4: (laughs) that part yeah my face was pretty frozen and it was really loud and all I can think about was I gotta run fast but it was super cold
0: with us in BYU Sports Nation is Ed Eyestone and members of his national championship BYU cross country team coach you're the first person to ever win an individual NCAA championship running and now coach a team what does that accomplishment mean to you
3: Well, it's kind of fun to think about, but I I mean, it's a pretty small pool of guys who have won the thing and and that are coaching, but, but yeah, no, it's fun. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm still that 23 year old who won the national championship back in 84. Um, So um, I try to just kind of uh, make sure that these guys are having the same sort of quality experience I had back, however many, 35 years ago with coach James. And uh, so it's been, it's been really fun, really rewarding.
1: Connor, you take third in the in the race. What was that experience like for you finishing in the top three?
4: It was great. Um, honestly the the race was so tough and it got to a point where it was like, is this like yeah, I don't know even what was going on. I just knew it was hurting a lot and that the, the weather was horrible and there was no good there was no good surface to run on. Everywhere was an inch deep of mud and um I just remember passing a couple people and they're like, Come on, like everyone you beat is gonna be is going to help you team out that much more and I kept using that as motivation that even though I wasn't having I didn't feel like I was having my best day I was still able to go out there and compete with you know, some of the best guys in the country.
1: You didn't feel like you had your best day and you took third in the country? Uh,
4: I was hoping to win the thing, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's why he's so good.
4: Uh, uh, high standards, high
3: standards, right?
1: Okay, so you cross. At what point do you realize as, as guys, uh, your teammates, two of these in studio here, uh, cross that, oh, we got a shot at this. We're going to win the national championship. But walk me through that. Okay, so
4: after I crossed, I was exhausted as could be. I had, like. My my thoughts, my brain was probably, like, turned off. Understandably. I had no yeah, so I, I, I walked about 20 steps and uh, just kind of laid down. Like, I fell down on in the ground in the mud and was just kind of laying there for a bit. By yourself? By myself. Like, there's supposed to be officials to pick you up, but nobody did anything. I was just the laying heck? there watching the finish, like, just drenched in mud. And then I'm, like, looking up, and... I'm, like, seeing people finish, and I'm, like, I have no idea how we're doing because it's so deceptive when you just have tons of people finishing. And uh, my teammate Danny Carney picks me up after I don't know how long I was there. It felt, felt like a, like like two seconds, but it might have been a couple minutes. <laughs> um, he picks me. He just kind of, like, grabs me, and I get up. He's, like, you want to sit down? I'm, like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. And then we just start walking, and then uh, Jake over here comes up to me, and he's, like, I think we won. Wow. And uh wow. and then the I think the I think portion of this kind of was like oh no like I don't want to get my hopes up high and then have right, it be cause like it's unofficial Yeah cuz it's unofficial whatever. it's like I don't want to be like oh we want to get my hopes up and start cheering and then all of a sudden here oh just getting you lost they they miscounted like a Colorado guy didn't get counted or like an NAU guy didn't get counted and so I like just waited and then like, more and more people were like no like you guys dominated and it was just like it was unreal. It's was a super surreal experience.
0: Fantastic. Let's dig into that moment with Jacob a little bit more. Jacob, when, when and why did you think, hey, I, I think we won this? How, how did you find out? How did you come to that realization that you were probably going to win the national championship?
5: Um, just they score five in a cross-country meet. And looking back, I when I had a chance to turn around, I saw Brandon and then Matt Owens uh, was our fifth guy. I saw them in the little finishing area, and I didn't see five from any other team. So, that was the best, my best guess is we have five in before any other team does. That, <laughs> that was did. a good
1: guess. And you guys, I, the last two or three years, right, it had gone up a notch where I was like, okay, we could do this. We're kind of a dark horse coming into this. What was the mentality, Ed, going into this one where, okay, we have the team to do it. Let's do
3: it. Yeah, well, you make a good point. We were uh, third two years ago, second last year. And then I think this year, you know, we didn't really worry so much about NAU or so much about Colorado, even though they beat us at the regional. At Regional, we were just kind of coasting through trying to save save some juice for, <laughs> for the the national championships, so we were more focused on doing our own job. Win the race that you are in, and if you win the race that you are in, meaning if Mance can battle in, and be in the top five, and if uh, you know Jake can battle for top fifteen and Danny in the top fifteen and Garnica in the top forty, if you win that battle, if you win your race, then the rest is going to take care of itself. And it ended up, uh, we thought it was going to be really close. We knew we had a chance. NAU was a heavy favorite. Uh, we were ranked third going in. Um, but we knew we had a chance. And uh, at the end of the day, it wasn't even close.
1: And and it, yeah, it was dominating, yeah, which was yeah. awesome. And Jacob, uh, tell me about this, because it's one thing for Connor to be in third, right? Boom. Major points, right? But everyone matters. Those first five matter. So when you're neck and neck with some guys, what's the mentality knowing, okay, I can score and help this team win?
5: Um. There was some looking around uh, for a lot of the race. I, it spread out really quick, not like a typical cross-country national meet. And so I was just kind of looking around. I passed some guys from NAU in Colorado. And, uh, and then my teammate Danny Carney came up on my shoulder a little bit later in the race. And we were able to push together and pass some people. And then I think we just realized that we were our second and third guys. And we were in front of NAU's first guy. Uh, And so that just kind of was a motivator and maybe helped us to relax a little bit more so that we could uh, run well. How cold was
0: it? I mean, what's the recovery like as well after running a race like that?
3: Well, I mean, it it was cold enough that after we did the the post-race interviews and everything standing around there, uh, we actually had some signs of uh, of maybe hypothermia going on I mean, wow. Connor, wow. Connor was shaking I mean we, we had to get him to the medical tent and get him wrapped up in a blanket and I mean when these guys bo- percent body fat is you know south of uh, you know 7% <laughs> then uh, your ability to withstand the the cold once you're done running is is not great and everyone was just totally uh, drenched in this cold driving rain and, and uh, but the, you know they recovered quickly once we realized that we had, had won the thing finally yeah. and, uh, and I'm just super proud For for all the men,
0: can we can we find a better place than Terre Haute, Indiana (laughs) for world national championship?
3: It's tradition, but it's tough in late November, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and our women's program did so well too. I think that was part of our success for the day because we were able to watch them run beforehand, see them battle, have the their best race of the year, and come within six points of winning get in second place. And we said, okay, men, we got next. Let's go do it. And. I mean, you can see. That, I mean, the rain is just coming down. What a great finish! And look by at the, the, Waymo, the three yeah, coming yeah, together—five, six, seven. That was unbelievable, that was unbelievable. And then Connor did a nice job pipping this guy from Virginia Tech right at the line for third place too. You love that? That's big time, right? <laughs> Top three. That's awesome. Um, now, my understanding
1: is, and, and by the way, Terre Haute's got to be the spot that's where they won the national title every every yeah, year. Yeah, we now. don't, we don't, that's we the don't spot, care. right? Yeah,
3: let's
0: that's go back there every year. Happy place. So, now.
1: my understanding is Matt Owens took fifth on the team. Yes, scores. 45th overall. He had not run a 10K. First 10K he's ever run. <laughs> and he no.
3: took 45th? No, we, we were saving it. We were saving it. He's <laughs> it's like, unbelievable. He's a steeple guy, which is 3,000 meters. And he's a little bigger. Yeah. He, he can run a good uh, mile for us as well. And so that's one reason why we kept him out. We kept Garnica uh, out last week at the regional meet. And they came back. And uh, and they were the difference, really. You're 4-5. You win yes. or lose championships with your 4-5. And they came through for us. So, so important, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, once you
0: got warmed up, and, and I'm going to go back to you, Brandon. What what was the celebration like with the women's team and everybody all around? Like, Walk us through the emotions and, and what you did and, and how you celebrated
4: while you were out there. Um, we were all pretty excited. We went back to the tent, and the first thing I think a lot of us did was sit in front of the heater that they had provided for us <laughs> and get ourselves warm and eat some food, and then it was kind of just, we did it, and so we took some pictures, and we enjoyed the moment, and we're still enjoying it right now. We're letting it soak in, and um, I think we're still celebrating it today and so
1: connor this is such a validating moment for the program too because you guys have been in the top three you've had the the link letters and the wards and and ed of of course winning individually but what does this mean to you and the team to bring home the first national championship for men's cross country
4: it, this means everything honestly that the team is you know we've been so close and so good for so long that it's like every year it just kind of is like we want it we want it we want it and then not being like i mean two years ago we were third and it was a very it was a really hard to swallow third last year we went we played the race very conservative because we didn't want to blow up and that led to a second place finish and like we we weren't very close at all to that to winning it last year but then uh this year it was just like all right like swing for the fences we have you know, it's going to be such a hard day. It's going to be a terrible day as far as, like, the weather was going to be. And we are just like, all right, go out there, grind, and, uh, you know, it's going to suck. But it's going to suck less maybe for us if we win the thing. Always
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice to meet NAU
4: as well. Oh, There's absolutely. A there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes.
0: Jacob, uh, explain the rivalry with Northern Arizona. And I saw some uh, Trash Talk Tuesday or whatever you guys were doing on social media, which is really fun. What's, what's the rivalry like with Northern Arizona?
5: Um, I try to stay out of, uh, uh, stay out of the social media <laughs> as much as I can. Um, but the when it comes to racing, it's just they have the target on their backs, and that's really what we've been uh, shooting for for the last three years. I think this year we did a better job at not thinking of it as a rivalry, just thinking of it as we're going to go out there and we're going to run our best race. But, yeah, the last three years it's just been – uh, them and us going at it and uh, it's it's really rewarding to finally be on top of that rivalry and to uh, yeah, to have the title. Yeah, yeah.
3: oh, well deserved congratulations. And in their def- in NAU's defense it's really not a rivalry until you beat them at the biggest championship there is. So now, I think before now, I don't know that it was a true rivalry. I mean, we were always the team, the little the little pesky team that was nipping at their heels, but we finally beat, we took down Goliath this year, and so I think there's now a true rivalry, and we have the utmost respect for those guys. They train hard. We know what we do. I mean, our sport is hard enough mm. uh, to know, and uh, I mean, when you're out running 100 to 120 miles a week, you have deep respect for everybody out there. So it's a it's a nice rivalry.
0: Coach, we'll finish with this. What's more gratifying, winning as a coach or winning as an individual?
3: (laughs) No contest. Winning as a coach, I mean, to see the joy in these guys' faces, uh, you know, running's a, a fairly hedonistic thing, and when you win it as an individual, it's great. Uh, but when you win it as a coach and you can see the joy in the faces of their parents and themselves and, and really all the guys that i have had a privilege of coaching over the last 20 years. I had 150 texts on a Saturday night, most, of com- most coming from guys who have been part of the program. And uh, basically my response was these guys were standing – on the uh, on the shoulders of you guys and all the work that you'd done mm. in the past, so it was it's a great moment that way. They were all a part of it as well. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah.
1: awesome. Well, congratulations, guys. Yes. This congratulations. is big time. This Absolutely. is big time. The first national title in 15 years of BYU for anybody. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And first under Tom Holmes, athletic director. Yeah. By the way, so awesome.
3: I think we're going to get a couple more though this year. Let's keep it going. As, Let's as go. Well, as well as soccer's going and everything, and and uh, we hope to bring another one of these back next year. Yeah, okay, awesome,
0: fantastic. Why and we've never why.
3: had four guests on the set. By the way. You have to win a national championship
0: to get four. <laughs> Big time.
1: And we wanted to Big accommodate. <laughs> so thanks for coming in, all of you, and congratulations. Yeah. Now, Connor and Ed That's have signed awesome. the
0: flag, but we need uh, Hello, Jacob and Brandon to sign the flag. So on Absolutely. your way out, ink the Sailor Kook flag with that national championship signature. Oh, I love it so much. Thanks, guys. Kay. Congratulations Thank again.
1: Thanks
2: for coming on. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation
0: on BYU Radio. Now, the debate on Mitch Matthews and whether or not he is or was an elite receiver will continue on throughout the history of BYU Sports.
1: I thought that I won this. It
0: will continue on forever. (laughs) But after you watch this Deep Blue, I can almost guarantee you will think he is an elite human being and comes from an outstanding family. Mitch Matthews, the focus of this week's Deep Blue.
6: I'm Mitch Matthews, and I played at BYU from 2012 to 2015 and a few years in the NFL as well, and now I'm an entrepreneur and I've started my own business.
0: I just remember him being a phenomenal receiver. Um, he was so tall, he was so long, and so a lot of those guys are one-dimensional, but Mitch Matthews, I thought, was as, as much of an all-around as receiver as you can find.
6: Nobody is better at what Mitch does than Mitch. and I don't think if he knew someone broke the records that he's broken, he'd just go break it again.
7: We all talk about those players that you love having on your team, but you hate to play against. I think he was one of those uh, just because of his competitive nature. And he took that competitiveness, not just on the field, but off the field and the things he does. And and if you look at him now, you know, he's he's, uh, he's running a business and he's really just self-motivated because of his competitive nature to be the best that he can be.
8: He also was the younger brother um, and his, so his older brother, Marcus, pushed him a lot. He, he kind of had to keep up with him. And Mitch would always say that he, he didn't want to be known as Marcus's little brother. Because Marcus was a good athlete, too. He knew if he was going to make a name for himself, he was going to have to work extra hard to make himself stand out, to set himself apart.
6: Very few people get the chance to play college football or NFL football. But even less, I'd say, get the chance to, to play college football with their own brother, who I've looked up to my whole entire life. We didn't do anything not together when we played together. And that was you know, some of the closest times I ever had have have with my brother. And those are times I look back on and we still talk about to this day. Joking around in the locker room and creating memories there. And, and that was a time in my life that I'll never forget, playing with your own brother uh, in college football. It's, it's really fun. So the Hail Mary was definitely the hallmark of my career. I, I prided myself in. In being a playmaker, which means when, when people think you have no chance to catch the ball, then, then I'm going to make a play. And that was kind of my my mantra at BYU, which is make a play. We go back out onto the field for our, our final drive. We get to the
8: 42-yard line, not quite close enough for a field goal. There's only one second to go in the game. And so we call timeout and we, we dial up our our Hail Mary play.
6: I roll out and I just... Put it up in the air, and that ball was flying in the air. I I felt like it was my chance to really show people who I was and to make a big play on a big stage like that.
9: Goes for the end zone. The ball's in the air. It drops at the goal line. I think he caught it for a touchdown. He got it. He got it. He got it. it. Touchdown, Mick Matthews. The Cougars win it.
4: The Cougars win it.
6: And I'll never forget it. I I, I hear about it nearly every single day, and this is this is four years past. And I'm grateful for moments like that, that. That uh kind of were an icing on the cake for my career here at BYU and, and even when I played in the NFL it was you're the Hail Mary guy, right? That's what people said to me. You know, my life is dedicated to to what I call redefining hard. I feel like there was a span of one month where, where my my world got flipped upside down. And within one month my mom passed away and it was a few days, the same weekend actually as my wedding and couple weeks after that I was cut for the third time from my dream job playing in the NFL and I was starting my own business. One of the experiences that
8: Mitch went through that shaped him the most was the loss of his mom and if you know Lisa you know just how amazing she is and how great of a woman she is.
6: After my mom passed away um, it was two in the morning and um, all of us are exhausted as a family and we went to bed and I had a workout the next morning at 6am and so I got three and a half hours, four hours of sleep that, that next day and then I got up and, and worked out because at the time I was on the Vikings so I, I had a job, right? And so, um, like I said before there was nothing that was going to get in my way of chasing my dreams and my mom taught me that and so the day You know, hours after she passed away, it was still go time. So I don't think there's really a ceiling for Mitch with what he wants to do. He's not afraid to go for it. He's not afraid to fail. He just puts his whole mind into something and just goes for it. And I think that's what he does with almost anything. If he wants to be better at it, he just bears down and does it. You know, he doesn't let anything stop him. Life is so fragile. Things can be switched in an instant. Things can be perfect and five hours later be horrible. You can be living your dream job and five minutes later, you're not living your dream job. And so if you have a chance to do something, you have a potential to do something, how dare you not go all out in that? And that's how I live my life now is not many businesses make it, but I'm gonna make this happen because I've been cut down so many times. I've lost things like that. And in my power, I'm gonna do everything I can to make my dreams happen because I've seen them switch. Sometimes you only have one shot, sometimes you have multiple, but you never know when, when things are gonna end. And so put every single thing you have into what you're doing in your, in your choice of, of your dreams and you'll reap a lot of benefits from that.
0: Wow, what a story. Mitch love and Matthews. And uh, for those that don't know, he's absolutely killing it as an entrepreneur. And he not only says the right things, he, he lives it. He lives by yeah. his own code.
1: I love Mitch. I, there's not an anti-Mitch thing for me. We just differ on what level of awesome we have with him, right? Uh, excited to have him on Countdown to Kickoff coming up uh, Saturday. That'll be fun. He and uh, Tanner on that.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Uh, Heather Olmsted, the head coach of BYU Women's Volleyball, has her team again in the national rankings. It feels like you've been ranked for like 25 years straight. It's over 100 um, weeks in a row. It's, it's an incredible yeah. mark. 24-4 and four after another dominant performance over Gonzaga. Congratulations first and foremost.
10: Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Okay, so uh, Jeremy and I established a new geography last week when we officially dubbed... Mary Lake, the 6th Great Lake of America. Are you cool with this?
10: Uh, absolutely cool with it. Love it. <laughs> Roll with
1: it. There was a moment in the Gonzaga match um, where she made three spectacular plays in a row, both resulting in points, and the crowd rose up, and it felt like they were they were standing up to just honor her career. Yeah. It's kind of a cool moment. It was
10: incredible. The whole day, Saturday, it felt very special. It felt like people came to see some of our seniors, knowing tomorrow's senior night. Uh, we talked about it after just how cool the crowd was, how loud they were, how involved they were. And I I agree. I think they were just excited. They were giving us energy. We were struggling a little bit and turned the corner, and that was a big part of it was that play and that energy that the crowd gave us.
1: How often does that happen where if the gym was empty – it might be a different result, but because it's in, one, your gym, and two, the great crowd, which this is the second most attended season ever to last year, that you are better than you would be.
10: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big deal. It happens at home and on the road, and, but I think one of the great things about our team is that we take our energy with us wherever we go, and that's why Mary's so special. She's the energy bus for us, and she's able to have her great energy in that kind of seeps into all the other players wherever we go, home and away.
1: Is she always the same, like, consistent energy, or does she have days where you're like, oh, something's up?
10: Yeah, no, she's pretty solid, and uh, she's loves volleyball, she loves school, she loves life, and she's just a great young woman, so it's pretty pretty consistent with Mary Lake.
1: We need her to show up on the show sometimes, in the summer, when <laughs> our energy is <laughs> a little, we could use someone like yes, that. Yes, awesome. please,
10: pick it up.
0: Let's talk about the, the seniors, um, and we've already mentioned Mary Lake, but her, one of her best friends is McKenna Miller, and uh, she's gone through some serious adversity and has really put together a nice season this year.
10: Yeah, just talking with, about McKenna and Mary, their, their relationship is one of the most unique, special relationships I've ever been able to be around. The way that they are best friends and play off each other, feed off each other, and have for four years since they were little kids and met at camp, it's pretty special. I, I feel blessed that I get to be around them every day and for the past four years and see the way that they interact with the teammates with each other and what McKenna's done this year and in her whole career but specifically this past year to come back from that injury with all the determination she had to be back and help this team this year I mean I can't say enough about McKenna and her her grit and what she did and is doing this year
1: when did they first show up at camp together
10: Gosh, they were sophomores, freshmen. They had pictures of it. They're so yeah. cute. It was so funny. <laughs> They're just the cutest little volleyballers and they were it was just awesome. And I think, you know, Mary maybe committed before McKenna did and the McKenna did and they've been best friends ever since. So it's pretty cool. Uh relationship they have going on.
1: Seven or eight year run then. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And they'll
10: be friends the rest of their Forever. lives. Yeah. It's yeah. It's
1: pretty cool. That's amazing. The other two seniors, let's talk about them, because it takes a uh, village to, yeah. to win, right? County Moyai and Riley Lyman have played critical roles.
10: Yeah, absolutely. Riley and Key are are total team players, they come in every day. They work hard. They do their job. I'm just grateful I had the chance to coach them. Key's been here for five years. She's a fifth-year senior. She's just the ultimate team player, always doing whatever is asked of her. She's just so sweet. She supports her teammates. And Riley coming and joining us two years ago from Snow College, willing to do whatever the team needs her to do. They're both just great parts of our our senior leadership that we got going on this year, led by Mary McKenna.
0: Yeah, I feel like Keani's is delivering some incredibly pressure packed serve for an ace at the most critical moments yeah. like I've, we've we've called quite a few Absolutely. of
1: those. And and Riley is interesting too a JC transfer that was an outside hitter and pretty good and she comes and she's a passer on this team sometimes uh, it's different than what you think, but yeah. to be a part of a great team, you need players like that. Yeah,
10: absolutely. I mean, we've got a bunch of girls that are just bought into their roles and how this team's going to be great, and everyone's ready for their moment and their opportunity to step up, and Riley and Key have done that, and obviously McKenna and Mary have filled some very critical roles for us the past four years and getting a bunch of kills, McKenna and digs and passes from Mary and, and both great two of our best servers on our team this year. Now, I set
0: you up as the expert on Pepperdine Volleyball because you're focused on them, focusing yeah. on beating the Waves and getting to win number 25. What concerns you the most about the Waves who come in uh, on a match that ESPNU and, and a couple of legends are going to call? Yeah, I
10: love this match against Pepperdine tomorrow. I think it's just a great way to end our regular season. They're, they're on a roll. They're playing well. They're kind of on this uh, bubble area of uh, are they going to make the tournament or not? And that's good for us because mm-hmm. we need teams coming in playing their best and and playing for something and so I'm excited about the opportunity they they're a good serving team I'm excited our passers get to step up and, and and take some tough serves in our gym and I think offensively they've got some weapons they've got a big right side and they're just they're settling down they're playing well and I think it's a great matchup for us so really excited about the opportunity to see how we match up against Pepperdine tomorrow
1: and it's senior night, so it's a little more emotional, like we've been talking about, and kind of unique in that it's on a Tuesday night, and Thanksgiving is Thursday, and then you're going to wait till Selection Sunday. So I guess it's kind of a weird setup for this one, too, right?
10: It's awesome. We hope everybody comes out to celebrate the seniors tomorrow and 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 just give them a lot of love. And, and Riley Key, McKenna, and Mary, they deserve it. So again, I thought Saturday was you know kind of leading up to, to Tuesday, where I think people are excited to get their last look that we know of right now at home. This Hopefully start, not. But this maybe. is our last match that, that's yeah. scheduled on our, our yeah. schedule to play at home, and we're going to make the most of it, and we're going to celebrate those kids. But we're going to be able to, to, to move past that once we celebrate them and, and focus on Pepperdine. And we just want to finish strong. We want to play well. We're playing well. I liked our weekend last weekend against Portland and August. so I think we're doing good things, and we just want to continue that growth.
0: We may have overlooked uh, the most important item here, and that is that Whitney Bauer can now vote she, she is turned a, 18 she's an
1: adult. yesterday. She's not yes. 17. Yes, happy birthday, Whitney <laughs> Bauer, happy birthday, yesterday. Whitney Bauer. <laughs> awesome. Yes, That's it's great. good
10: news. That's
0: Heather, great. let's give some BYU Sports
10: Nation comment yes, for I'll the match against
1: Pepperdine. Good luck, Thank and you. then we'll talk to you next week after yes. Selection Sunday.
10: Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Awesome.
1: All right. This is the
2: best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our
1: favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now welcome in our friend, normally on a Monday, it's a Tuesday this week, ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, how you doing, brother? I am doing great, doing
11: great, and Tanner, great to talk with you again.
8: Oh, it's always a pleasure, Trevor. Thanks for uh, taking the
1: time. Trevor, let's talk about beating UCLA, because you're a man who beat UCLA. In yeah, uh, 1983, oh, yeah. in football, um, yep, yeah. and the men's hoops team gets it done last night. That was a nice win for the Cougars.
11: Yeah, you know it's uh, you know hopefully it's not every uh, 40 years that we get to do this, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's good. UCLA. Listen, I've got a lot of respect for their their school and their programs, and any time you beat them, it just means a lot. You know, we uh, back in the day. Everybody thought we were a passing team, but we ran for over 200 yards on those guys, much to their consternation and surprise. But we weren't surprised. But I tell you, beating UCLA at any time is a a real thrill.
1: Absolutely. Let's transition to football. After seven weeks away, Zach Wilson played against Idaho State and UMass. Idaho State, it felt like uh, there was a little bit uh, left to be desired there, but UMass, a tremendous performance against a really bad team, but he was
11: nearly perfect. Uh, Do you feel like Zach is back? I think he was back against UMass. I think that it's a it's sort of a, a trajectory he's gotta be on. You could tell that he was rusty against Idaho State. And Idaho State's not very good, but timing is timing no matter who you're playing. And everything was a little better against UMass, but this will be not just a, a better opponent, this will be one of the best defenses, if not the best defense they face really since Utah. This San Diego State defense isn't just really talented, they're also exceptionally well coached from a standpoint of messing with opposing quarterbacks. Rocky Long has is, is been one of the best defensive minds in all of college football for decades, so this will be a real challenge, and we'll know if Zach's back when we see this game.
8: Well, you referenced it. San Diego State is a top-ten defense against the run, scoring, total defense. So in your opinion, how do the Cougars match up with the Aztecs this week?
11: Well, they, they, they match up probably better on offense than the San Diego State offense matches up against the Cougars defense. This really will be a low scoring game because as good as San Diego State's defense is, the offense is really struggling. I mean, they don't, they don't run or pass very well. So BYU will need to win a, a low scoring game. So really this one will come down to how can those guys on defense keep the score low enough? Now, the other part of it is, avoiding mistakes and avoiding turnovers. I mean, Tanner, I mean, he's a quarterback for so many years. I mean, you know the, the – the, you have to understand the game you're playing. Yep. And the game that the BYU offense is playing – this week is not a light-up-the-scoreboard game. It is a don't-make-mistakes game. That's their first priority. Don't give San Diego State a short field with a dumb turnover. And so that's that's kind of the game that's shaping up, and, and the Cougars need to understand it in order to be able to win it.
1: Jake Goldroyd uh, could be uh, a big player in this game in terms of field position and field goals. Yet for field goals, it's been a struggle recently, Trevor. After starting 10 of 11, Jake has missed six of his last 10. Something's going on there. Do you think uh, the kicking game will play a big role and Jake Goldroyd will will
11: have a big role in this game? No, it'll be massive because it, it gets harder to move the ball down inside the 20 and punch it in. Especially against defenses like San Diego State, and so they're going to have to score from long range with those field goals. So Jake will have to, he'll have to, he'll have to come up. The thing is, though, people people have asked me, is that you know what's wrong with him? I said nothing's wrong with him. He's a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> and kickers, you know, kickers are are their own their own kind of species. Sometimes you know, so this is the time for him to snap back into form.
8: Well, now, so BYU is looking to get win number eight. If BYU finishes this season with nine wins. Could they be ranked
11: you know what there 's a possibility that they could, and that 's really exciting because uh, the way the season you know started it looked so promising, and then Losing to Toledo and South Florida just kind of put the brakes on the the excitement. And the possibility exists that they very well could finish the season ranked. But I, I still go back to the missed opportunities, for goodness sake. Ah, those two games especially. Now, when you look at the rankings, the AP top 25 right now, you know, BYU isn't listed there. And the lowest ranked team is USC at 8-4. and four, But that's kind of good. Because BYU has already beaten USC. And so there, there's a chance that they could finish ranked if they're able to win out.
8: So you, you brought it up. You mentioned that USC win. What do you think is the best win on BYU's
11: schedule this season? Do you think it is USC? Yeah, Tanner, I really do. Because that this was a USC team that, that came in after BYU had already played a couple of physical, physical games. You know, the, the game against Utah, Utah has a, an NFL defensive line. I mean, it's just, and it's not just NFL with the starters. They go deep. They've got NFL guys in depth. That's a physical game for BYU to play. And then Tennessee uh, is a team now that's starting to round into form. I mean, when BYU played, everybody thought Tennessee was no good, but now we're seeing Tennessee winning a bunch of SEC games, and that game went to overtime. So the fact that they started out with those two, then came back and USC went to overtime. And the fact that USC is now ranked, I mean, the the committee sees them, and the AP, sees them as one of the 25 best teams in the nation. I mean, for BYU to have beaten them in the third game of a stretch that was really brutal, I thought was a terrific victory.
1: We're talking with ESPN's Trevor Maddich, former Cougar and uh, contributor to BYU Sports Nation each week. We love to have him. Let's look back at the season a little bit. So, I feel like we're starting to turn a corner, Trevor, where we are less grateful for the turnaround and we will become more uh, upset that BYU lost to South Florida and Toledo. I want to get your opinion on that. is 2-4. Man, is BYU going to renew Kalani? Will BYU even make a bowl game? Here we sit five games later, BYU's 7-4, and four, and we're thinking, you know what? Maybe it took losses to South Florida and Toledo to turn the season around. Yet I think when the season's over, we're going to go, oh man, BYU lost an opportunity there. Why didn't they win those games?
11: Yeah, well, listen, I I thought that all all along. I mean, I thought losing those two games, I could just project it forward and see what the possibilities were there. Because, I mean, had BYU won those two games, they right now would be on a seven-game winning streak, as it is around a five-game winning streak. And ranked, right? They'd be on. A, they'd, they'd be ranked, and who knows? But they might not be ranked high enough to to be considered for you know a really big bowl game. Um, and so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that were left on the table. Now there are still things that are left on the table. This San Diego State win, if they're able to get it, will be maybe the best win of the season for them. Uh, certainly, certainly second to, to USC. Well, and third to Tennessee. That th- those were. Good. It'll be one of their three best wins. There we if, go. Yeah. So it's a <laughs> I, I think rather than say best, it's better for me to say most difficult. Mm, better Not than Boise this State team is going to be really hard to move the ball to move the ball on, and so but there, so there's football left to be played. But when you talk about looking at the totality of the season, you're totally right, and and the fact that we're talking about it in these terms, I think means that in a lot of ways BYU has turned the corner. And the expectations are now much higher. And, and again, I look at the Toledo and South Florida losses, and I see them in a way that I think maybe other people might not. Uh, and certainly the team won't think what I'm about to say. If they do, I'd be disappointed. But the way I see those two losses are BYU started out with – Utah at Tennessee, USC and Washington for brutally physical games, and then the next week they go to Toledo, and the week after that they go to, or two weeks after that they go to South Florida, and so this is this is a real tough couple of games coming off of that physical stretch, and it does take a lot out of you, not just physically, but really emotionally and your ability to, to process and focus with urgency uh, and effort in your preparation during the week suffer when you go through a four-game stretch like BYU did to open the season. Now, do you have to be able to to fight through that? Yes, you do. But when you consider so many young guys that BYU is playing, you know, it takes, it takes time to learn this stuff. And so I think that they missed an opportunity there. But the fact that we're now talking about a five-game winning streak with a chance to finish the regular season on a six-game winning streak against a very good team, uh, I, I think BYU football is in a good position right now.
8: Trevor shifting into the national scene now. LSU or Ohio State, who's the best team in the land?
11: On tape, it's Ohio State. Tanner, the LSU deserves to be number 1 because of their victories. I mean, they've they've beaten, you know, a couple of top 5 teams and then Auburn at number 15. And Ohio State hasn't had the opportunity to do that. They they have the Penn State win, but really not a whole lot that'll com- compare to what LSU has been able to do. Um, they've beaten Wisconsin and beat them bad. But the teams that LSU has beaten are higher ranked than Ohio State. Okay, so LSU deserves the number one ranking from that standpoint. But on the field in a neutral side, I think the Buckeyes are the best team in the country. I think number two is Clemson. And I think number three is LSU because I worry about LSU's defense especially in recent weeks teams with pretty good offenses have been able to move the ball and score points against LSU's defense and so uh, I uh, I think that it's very important the way things are setting up right now which uh, team between Ohio State and LSU the committee puts at number one to finish the regular season because Clemson won't be that team unless something really weird happens because of their strength of schedule, but they are rounding back into national championship caliber form, which they've done in recent years where they've started slow and they've picked it up and done well at the end and they've been a championship contender. Well, the this Clemson team is doing the same thing, but because of their the their schedule has been weak in the ACC, they they'll probably end up number two or three, most likely three. What that means is, whoever's number one doesn't have to play Clemson in the first round of the playoffs; they'll play number four. Whoever's number two has to face Clemson. And I'll tell you this: if it's Ohio State at number two and LSU at number one, which it likely will be, then I think the semi between Ohio State and Clemson will be the actual national championship game.
12: Mm.
1: This sounds juicy, and I'm thinking about Christmas and snow and football. This just sounds great. Trevor, we appreciate the time. We look forward to our conversations each week, and uh, thanks for the insight. Thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this
2: on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Oh, it's going to
1: rain. It's going to rain Oh, it's going to rain. Okay. Wilson and company.
0: Hopefully BYU's defense can do what most defenses have done to San Diego State's offense as well and slow them down. The Aztecs don't score a ton of points. And I think that D'Angelo Mandel on that defensive secondary uh, will have a say in that as well on Saturday night. Jerem's one-on-one with a Southern California kid, a homecoming of sorts. BYU Sports Nation All Access, D'Angelo Mandel.
1: All right, D'Angelo, uh, what was it like to go back to the Eastern
13: time zone for a fourth time this year? Uh, it was good. It was definitely hard to sleep, I'll tell you that much, when we first got there. Tried to go to bed at a reasonable time, but it was kind of hard to. But uh, it was fun. It was real cold still, but it did a good experience. How was the
1: uh, hoop hall, the Basketball Hall of Fame?
13: It was fun. It was real nice to see. I didn't even know that it was located there in uh, Massachusetts. But it was fun. We got to shoot around. Uh my jumper's a little off. I've <laughs> been a little rusty a little bit, but it was fun. Who had the best jump shot? Ooh. Either Blake Freeland, the freshman, mm-hmm. the new one, and uh Joe Critchlow. Joe Critchlow's got game. Joe got a shot. Like okay. it, it's nice. nice. Yeah.
1: Quarterbacks, they get it all right. The golf swing, the jumper. Yeah.
13: And actually, um oh wait no, never mind. No. No, never mind. Yeah, that's and you? Oh, of course, I mean, my yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the game. So UMass, certainly an opponent that you were hoping to beat and beat by a large margin. That happened. How'd you feel the game went for you and the defense?
13: Um, for me personally, I think there was things I could have worked on. I mean, I missed a sack that I should have had, but um, I think all in all, the defense we played pretty aggressively. We had a lot of fun, and just glad we got the win.
1: Let's talk about how this defense has evolved from the beginning of the season to now. This team's on a five-game win streak. Um, What's changed for this group to be uh, one of the top takeaway teams in the country?
13: Just being more aggressive. Um, The Kalani just enforced it a lot, just being aggressive, running to the ball, showing a lot of effort. and I think that's just what's equated to what we're doing now.
1: Let's talk about your development at BYU. You came in, and I guess at first we knew you by D'Angelo Gunter, right? Um, Now you go by Mandel. What's the story with your last name?
13: Um, so I came here as Angelo Gunter And then I left um, I was home for a year And uh, when I was at home I was staying with the family Whose last name is Mandel And they were taking care of me For the like my junior year to Up until now basically And so I consider them my family So it was February 21st I want to say When we went to court and got it changed And it's been Mandel ever since
1: So you wanted to honor what they did for you
13: mm-hmm. Yeah they're
1: good people Great people actually Great people. Um, let's talk about uh, San Diego State. So you're from San Diego. Uh, what's this experience like for you, going back home for a game?
13: It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Uh, I need a lot of tickets, for sure. <laughs> I've already been asking a lot. Um, it's going to be good, though. Friends, family. I mean, I get to be home. It's going to be actually not very cold, thank God. Uh, but I'm excited, really excited.
1: And you never played in the stadium in high school or anything. This will be the first time.
13: First time ever, okay. ever. You know there's a reason the Chargers left, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true.
1: But a lot of history there, especially with BYU, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar, but BYU played in so many Holiday Bowls there, and the Hail Mary from Jim McMahon in the National Championship in that stadium, so it's going to be a cool opportunity for BYU, and uh, although this wasn't a rivalry for you in, in your time at BYU, San Diego State, a lot of history as well, and this is a pretty good team.
13: Yeah, they they look real good, um, they have a pretty good season too, so far, um, and they were ranked at one point also, so... I know it's going to be a good challenge for us, just another week for us to get back to work and get better. So,
1: Depending on the week, given the fact that you guys have played such a tough schedule, I think it could be as many as 10 teams that go to a bowl uh, and a bunch of teams that have been ranked. How does that prepare you for a moment like this where, yes, you played Utah, it feels like forever ago, but you played a lot of tough teams this year?
13: I think it's good playing all those teams. Um, I don't think you should... Get, we go down to like a lower level. I think that playing all these good teams and testing yourself every week is a good a good challenge for you.
1: Who's the hardest guy to guard on BYU's offense in practice? Mm,
13: probably say Micah. Micah he's a uh, he's uh he's not predictable. He always changes things up each week. He's uh he's hard to he's hard to get a, a read on sometimes, but yeah. Which guy would you
1: want to line up as a wide receiver against on your defense?
13: One more time, sorry.
1: Let's say you switch to offense. We're seeing that with Tyler Algier and Kairos, right? Oh, okay. If you lined up a wide receiver, who would you like to go at among your teammates in the secondary?
13: Oh, Diane, right away. Right away. I'm asking for Diane to line up right in front of me the whole time. The whole time.
1: Yeah. What's it been like to play with Diane this year where he's had another spectacular season and, and just fills up the stat sheet?
13: Uh, it's good. Um, having him in our room. I think he just shows a good amount of leadership, and just seeing him make plays, it makes you want to also make those plays too. So, I think it's good. I've just been learning from him all year, so I can take it with me for my time here.
1: How does he manage that? Where he's with the safeties, with the corners, with the secondary as whole?
13: I don't know. You gotta ask him. He—I don't think I could do it from what he's doing. It's just <laughs> back and forth a lot. But I, they prepared him for it though too. So I think he just goes in and plays. So, how did BYU get on your radar originally in recruitment? Um. Actually, I was in a ceramics class making uh, pottery, and my uh, high school coach called me out of my room. I mean, out of the out of the classroom, and he said, "Here's the phone." And it was Ed Lamb on the phone, and he just said, "Oh yeah, hey, we're gonna offer you." And I was like, "Oh what? What? Yeah." And then that's how it happened.
1: So, had you never talked to Ed or met anyone from BYU prior to that? No, not at all. So, so site offered uh, uh, or scholarship offered off site on the phone. Yes. Uh, was that, I know Ed loves his track guys, and you were a track guy. Uh, 100, 100, 200, right? 214. Two four. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like when you first got that offer? Did you have other
13: D1 offers at that point? I had, at the time, I had Weber and Southern Utah. It was early in my recruiting. Um, and then, yeah, he just called me out of nowhere. I was shocked. I was, because it was random. I was just sitting in class just making pottery or something.
1: Literally making pottery. Do
13: you remember what you were making? Do you still have it? I think it was like a a little gla like a little bowl, like put in glaze. I don't know, bro. It was a long time ago. <laughs> you still have it? Nah, it's oh, okay. gone. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. I wish you still had it, and that could, you know, we could show that. But yeah, nah, lamb. Yeah, it was it was random, but it was great. I mean, I'm here now, so it's definitely a blessing.
1: And what ultimately led to you coming here and choosing to come back here?
13: Um, just the family atmosphere. I knew that was important. Uh, from talking to Kalani when I first came here, just. The way he preached about it and just the loving and the kindness of everybody is just important to me. Um, and then coming back, I mean, it was pretty much to Kalani because I left and a lot of guys leave and coaches usually, all right, we don't need him anymore, but he's still giving me another chance to come back here and play and go to school here. So I'm thankful for it.
1: Well, it's great to have you on the team. Great to have you at BYU. And uh, let's see if we can find you another ceramics class at BYU, right? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> I'd like to get a call in my ceramics class and be told that I'm going to be uh... On full scholarship to play football,
1: we'd like to offer you uh, money to come to our school. I I know we haven't met, but please do this. Uh, BYU Sports Nation, karma to D'Angelo as well. Make that sack that he did not at UMass and uh, against San Diego State. Let's go. Uh,
0: Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation. And again, don't miss the Utes and Cougars on Friday. Dave McCann and Kristen Kozlowski will be on the call. That in mind, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar whip Around.
1: Men's basketball. Lost 71-56 to number four Kansas in game two of the Maui Invitational. T.J. Haas led the Cougars in scoring with 16 points. Tonight, Brigham plays Virginia Tech for third place with pregame on BYU Radio, 1030 Eastern, with a game on ESPN2 as well. Football.
0: The regular season finale for BYU football at San Diego State goes down Saturday. The Cougars trying to pick up a sixth win in a row And best the 8-3 Aztecs. Pre-game on BYU Radio starts at 7 Eastern. BYU TV's Countdown to kickoff live at 8 Eastern.
1: Cougars in the NFL. Fred Warner is the NFC Defensive Player of the Week after an 11-tackle-2 TFL, one sack, one QB hit, one forced fumble. And a partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge in a pear tree. Performance for the Niners and a win against the Packers.
0: Taysom Hill on the New Orleans Saints. Play their rival, the Atlanta Falcons, tomorrow night, 820 Eastern on NBC Thursday Night Football. Yeah, baby.
1: Soccer. Football. Michaela Coulahan and Elise Flake are two of the 15 semifinalists for the Mac Herman Trophy. That's the Heisman Trophy equivalent in women's soccer. Coulahan and Flake, just the third and fourth semifinalists for the award in 25 years of women's soccer. Finalists named December 6th. Cross country.
0: Ed Eyestone, head coach of the national champion BOA men's cross country team is also the national coach of the year, according to the USTFCCCA. I stoned the first person in NCAA history to win an individual cross-country title, did it in 1984, and now coach a national championship team a mere 35 years later.
1: Volleyball. Number 13, BYU beat Pepperdine in five sets last night and went, watched as a fan with the fam. That was fun. On senior night and the regular season finale, McKenna Miller had 18 kills, eight digs, and two blocks, and a lot of candy on her shoulders afterward. You know, senior night. Mary Lake had 15 digs in an ace. The NCAA tournament selection show is Sunday night. Women's basketball.
0: BYU beats up on in state foe Utah State 67 50. If you listen
1: closely, you can hear all the children still.
0: That eerie shrill. <laughs> Brenna Chase Drollinger had quite a few shrills for knocking in <laughs> five three pointers. Season Season-high 21 points. BYU in Utah Friday on BYU TV. The best of BYU Sports
2: Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of
0: BYU Sports Nation. All right, on to Saturday as a whole, which was incredible. So Cross good. country wins a national championship, first national championship in men's history. The women finish second. BYU women's soccer clinches their spot in the Elite Eight. BYU women's volleyball is a top 16 team. They win on on uh, senior day. BYU football scores 42 points in the second quarter. Men's soccer won men's the national club, national championship, club by the championship, by the way, again, beating
1: the Ohio State. They were just... Ohio State on Saturday.
0: Okay, serious question. Was Saturday the single greatest day in BYU athletics since BYU football went independent essentially a decade ago?
1: Well, on December 19th, 2012, no, of course it was. Yes, it was awesome. Yes, of course. Two national championships. Are you kidding me? Elite Eight winning, uh, dominating all over the place. Yes, this was a great day. This was so fun. Everybody did well, and some teams did really well. So this was awesome. It was a great day to be a Cougar. But every day is a great day to be a Cougar, Spence. But Saturday was especially a great day.
0: Yeah, BYU's had some really fun days. I can recall a few times when we've sat on this desk and be like, oh, that was the most amazing weekend ever. But we didn't but, write down the dates. But BYU has never won a national championship in any sport since Tom Holmo has been the athletic director.
1: Right, not counting the clubs.
0: Since 2005. Sorry, in sanctioned a sanctioned sport. NCAA sport. Rugby's like,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: BYU won their first national championship in the homo regime as athletic director. That that alone sets this day apart. And then, yeah, throw in another club national championship. And BYU women's soccer for just the third time ever into the Elite Eight and Big in time. dominating fashion.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, man. Incredible stuff. Jackson McChesney adds to the lore of the day, right, with 228. We're going to remember that for a long time. But uh, luckily for the men's cross country team, it was like sunny, warm, dry, ideal conditions for those. Oh, my gosh. It looked so miserable. Remember,
0: remember the 23rd of November.
1: And They pounded through for a national title, right? It was so fun. And guess what? There were 3,000 fans at the volleyball match. There were 3,000 plus at the soccer game. There were
0: 3,000 fans at the football game in Massachusetts.
1: (laughs) How many were announced?
0: 8,200. No way there were
1: 8,000, right? There was no way. No were there way.
0: 800? Well, there were probably, I'd guess there were probably five or 6,000. There were more along yeah. the lines in
1: Terre Haute supporting BYU. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that was awesome. Was, still, the, majo- was just, the majority were BYU fans, though. And Cougar Nation was spread out but showed up, right? They always do. Oh, yeah. Man, how does BYU travel so well? Because uh, they live <laughs> nearby and then they just go there? Yeah, BYU does travel well, but oh my gosh. What a, what a great day. To, uh, to witness BYU Athletics flex its muscles. And we know that BYU's athletic department is excellent. I wish that a Power 5 league would acknowledge it and invite BYU. But, uh, man, the BYU Athletic Department, on point, women's side, men's side, everybody's showing up.
0: Where are the Learfield Cup standings going to place BYU after the fall sports season?
1: Oh, typically BYU's in the top 25. It I, was num- they
0: were number five last year, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, when all is said and done, this may be the year of years because BYU got a natty and a second-place finish in cross-country.
0: And then who knows what women's soccer's going to do? And women's volleyball volleyball's least, capable at of
1: least top eight. beating anybody. Like, who knows? Going to Sweet 16 yeah. is the expectation.
0: BYU football would also like some national recognition in the form of finishing a season ranked in the AP poll or the college football playoff poll for the first time since going independent. It has not happened. BYU was ranked 25th in the coaches poll in 2011 because of an exception where USC could not be ranked due to sanctions from the NCAA. Other than that, the Cougars haven't sniffed the top 25 in the last decade. They haven't sniffed it. And that brings us to our stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day.
0: Since 2011, Jerem, no G5 team has finished the season ranked with four losses. Remind me, does BYU have four losses?
1: Uh, This just in, yes.
0: Yes, they're seven and four. four. But, but... They beat USC, they beat Tennessee, they beat Boise State, they beat Utah State. Jeremy, what's the chance BYU finishes the season ranked for the first time in Independence?
1: Uh, I don't see it. it. It'd be nice. It all depends, right? But if you're a power, there's some power five teams that finish at eight and five ranked. Like because of strength of schedule, like an Auburn type in the past or whatever, where they had a decent win or two, but they had five losses. It's going to be tough. It, it depends on yeah, which power fives have eight or nine. Wins that deserve to be ranked, but here's here's the positives for this. A lot of factors going into this. BYU will have defeated Boise State, which is good, but not really anybody else that pops. BYU was getting recognized early. Does USC in the not season. pop because
0: they're ranked twenty second right now?
1: No, yes, but it happened so long ago, it's not going to pop now. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. People are going to say, "Well, who have they beaten? They're on this seven game win streak." Assuming BYU gets to nine, five currently. Uh, San Diego State. Uh, that's a decent win to us, but nationally that doesn't like jive with anybody. And then if BYU plays a ranked AAC team in the bowl game, now BYU's got a shot should BYU win that game. I don't think it's going to happen, but if BYU finishes 9-4, and four, they're receiving votes, they return Zach Wilson, and then BYU's going to be a top 35 team, likely, going into 2020.
0: BYU's just going to miss being ranked in the top 25 if they win out.
1: I've missed it for a long time. What are you talking about?
0: They are going to just... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know what to it's do. It's been
1: since 2011. It's yes, been eight years. Yes. I, I have I missed miss it as it. well. Yeah.
0: They'll be on the outside looking in. They'll be receiving like, votes. Stained. Yeah, they'll be receiving votes. Did but... you like
1: that song? Stained? Outside? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's unfortunate because BYU, if they win seven in a row, they'll have an impressive resume. Win at Tennessee. Win against USC who's ranked. Win against Boise State, who's probably only going to finish uh, the season with one loss. Like Boise so State Fox might, good. might finish the season 12 and one. Their lone loss to BYU with their third-string quarterback. Shout out to Baylor Romney. Hey, uh, it, it, BYU will have an impressive resume, but you're right. Unless BYU can make a statement in the bowl game against, it has team to from be the a It Has to be a
1: ranked AAC team.
0: You have to have a splash, and Hawaii's not going to do it. And I blame San Diego State for losing to Hawaii and losing to Nevada. Come on, Aztecs! If BYU played a ranked San Diego State team this week and And beat them in San Diego, now they've got wins against three ranked teams. Yeah, that would have been nice. And then the voters are like, huh, yeah, BYU has really turned things around. And they
1: played without their starting quarterback and running back at South Florida, right? Didn't have Tyson Williams against Toledo. You you start to make these justifiable excuses for why BYU should be ranked. I don't think BYU should be ranked at the end of the year, but I think that BYU is going to carry some great momentum into 2020. Because trust me, when you win like nine plus games and you return your quarterback – preseason magazines, you're on the cover, people are talking about you. It's good. Hey, it's based fun.
0: on our stat of the day, no G5 team has finished the season ranked with four losses. This would be the ultimate determiner if BYU is truly a Power 5 equivalent. If they can finish the season ranked with four losses, they're a Power 5 equivalent.
1: The back of the schedule is too weak. That's the oh. issue. Yeah. And on. that's why BYU is on a
0: win streak. Hawaii doesn't need to stay home for the bowl game. Come on, Come on. You, you can go, go somewhere, somewhere. Go else. somewhere else.
1: Go somewhere else, yeah. man. I don't want to game. I want an AAC team. Let's go. Eight games into the men's basketball season, the Cougars sit five and three, and after a third place showing in the Maui Invitational that produced wins against UCLA and Virginia Tech, not to mention Houston. Were you there at that one? I was. Uh is it time we are all aboard the Tourney Train. Okay. Oh, you oh, can wow. hear it. I kinda hear it. Uh, No, I am not
7: on the tourney train, but I'm online checking prices for tickets. Mm. Like, I'm interested. I'm, I'm like, I'm starting to do that work. The performance in Maui was fantastic and without a question improved BYU's chances of making the tournament. But it's still too early to go there yet simply because WCC play is going to play a massive part in BYU's postseason hopes. What BYU has done, though, is they have picked up the kind of wins that the NCAA wants to see a tournament team have. You get those tier one, tier A, quad one, I pulled my quad. You you have these wins that they want to see on your resume. BYU has some of those now. Now it's up to what they can do in conference play making sure they don't have any of those head-scratching losses, keeping things going. Without a question, BYU strengthened their chances of an NCAA berth. If they can keep it going and have a good showing once conference play begins. That's how I view it right now.
1: I'm not aboard yet, but it's a really nice start. And it's better than I thought it would be. It, it really is. I, I think is in a better spot than I thought they would be without Yoli Childs, which is awesome. BYU's going to beat Montana Tech tomorrow. They're going to be 6-3 and three without Yoli Don't Childs, you overlook which, the ore diggers. The ore diggers. That's fantastic. Their uh, head coach, Adam Hi, by the way. Return missionary. Yes. Played at Ricks. So, connections. All-conference player at Ricks. Not bad. Um, yeah, the Boise State loss hopefully won't be a quad three loss. But I think you can offset that with the Houston and Virginia Tech wins, which we hope are quad one wins. So, if you're unfamiliar, uh, everyone gets based, uh, ranked on this net ranking. Uh, if you play top 75 uh, in a true road game, that's a quad one. Top 50 neutral is also quad one, and top 30 home is quad one. So BYU will probably only play one quad one home game. That's St. Uh, Gonzaga. Uh, but there are other metrics to look at. So let's assess what we know so far about BYU. Net ranking is not out yet, but some of the metrics that they use to assess uh, a team are, are available. So strength of record, BYU 68. That's the measure of a team's accomplishment based on how difficult the team's win-loss record is to achieve. San Diego State number one in on that, by the way. Ken Palm, 62. BYU's wins over 31, 57, and 113 right now. Not bad. Utah State pending. They're a top 50 team there. And then after that, BYU didn't have a top 100 team kind of left. Nevada, 97, barely in. St. Mary's, 41. Gonzaga, 6. So those four games are going to be big for BYU. Can BYU somehow get a split? ESPN's Basketball Power Index, 46. Sagarin, 45. KPI isn't out yet. Strength of schedule, 21. The top 40-ish make the NCAA Tournament. At-large bids, we're talking. Of course, if you win the tournament, you're in, no matter if you're the 350th best team in in college basketball. BYU is looking better than I thought they would. Do we feel like BYU is going to be better with Yoli Childs? Obviously, they're going to be a better team with Yoli Childs. Um, and, And things are looking good and trending towards where BYU could be bubblicious. Is BYU in? No. But if you listen closely to the tourney train, it's out there. It's, not it's, a in dis- segment, it's in the it's distance, but it's in the distance, and we have the hat. We have—hold we have. Hold on, i got to get the dust off. It's been four years. Uh, we're going to put it up here. We're going to set it right here, and it's going to sit here. Because BYU, as a reminder. As a reminder, because BYU has wins, and now I, there's dust floating everywhere. Because it's been
0: four <laughs> long years
1: of no NCAA tournament. The tourney train hat will reside here. And we're going to talk to Spencer Linton later live from San Diego, get his take. I bet he's all aboard the tourney train. But BYU is not in right now. They're not in right now. They are trending in the right
7: direction. And with the first couple of weeks of the season to to look at only, BYU has done what it needed to do at this point. Now, Now you take that one step further and see what you can do over the next five or six games yes. as you wrap up non-conference play. Then you start conference. It, it's, it's all happening in stages, and BYU to this point has done what they needed to do for that to be an ultimate goal.
1: Yes, get a, win against Utah State, neutral, yes. that would be amazing. Uh, Montana Tech, Utah, UNLV, Nevada, Utah State, Weber State, or Roberts, that's what's left. Only one of those games will really pop on Selection Center, in my opinion, and it is Utah State. Not even UNLV and Nevada, but go get some good news. Absolutely.
7: BYU football has an opportunity to pick up its eighth win in the regular season finale tomorrow on the road at San Diego State. Now, due to an injury to Ryan Agnew, the Aztecs will be starting a freshman quarterback, (laughs) who, by the way, will be making his first collegiate start in Carson Baker. So, Jerem, does facing a freshman quarterback, taking his first snaps, ensure victory
1: for the Cougars? No, but it helps. It helps because San Diego State's offense has stunk. They're the uh, sixth worst yards per completion team, 13th worst in points, 19th worst in yards, fourth worst in 20-plus plays, 20-plus yard plays, and then in 30-plus and 40-plus, they're the worst team in FBS. Mate, it can't get much worse. So why not throw in the redshirt freshman Carson Baker of Helix High, which that's where Alex Smith, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, and Todd Watkins of BYU receiver fame went. Um, Reggie Bush tweeting out to Taysom Hill last night, too, by the way, calling him a beast. Oh, he well, yes, he is the beast from X-Men, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah, San Diego State's defense is the storyline, as, as you've pointed out in our conversation this morning. Um, San Diego State has scored 28-plus once this yeah. season. It was at San, uh, New Mexico State. Haven't scored 21-plus in the last four games. They've been 20 or fewer. That's... I, if BYU scores enough, they're going to win this game. I'm, I think BYU wins this game. Vegas has this as a six-point uh, BYU, BYU, is six-point favorite. I'm not concerned about that much. It's the defense of San Diego State top ten in rushing and scoring and, and total defense that is the concern. Can BYU score enough on this team? I just don't think San Diego State's going to outscore BYU, especially with the freshman QB. But it hasn't been. It's been so bad. Why, maybe it'll be better. I don't know. Yeah, this is my that's my thinking.
7: I, I don't think it makes a difference who San Diego State starts at quarterback. It, it's not the Aztec offense that worries people. This game's going to come down to how BYU's offense plays against the San Diego State defense. That is the matchup that's going to determine this game. There's nothing that I have seen that makes me concerned about the Aztec offense for a lot of the reasons that you brought up. They're starting a freshman quarterback. Their offensive line has not played well. In fact, Rocky Long, and you'll hear this cut on Cougar Pre Game Live, shameless plug, tomorrow on BYU Radio. It's so much shame. Man. He talks about how that's kind of been a disappointment that he expected the offensive line to play better this year.
1: It'd be awesome if he was like, "No, nah, this is what I thought we'd do. We stink." And then he said he doesn't want to play BYU, and then <laughs> and they're too old. No,
7: actually, to say all those things, but. <laughs> it
1: really helped BYU against but, South but Florida.
7: But look, the, the, their offense is not what you need to worry about. It's can BYU's offense score against the defense?
1: That's what's going to determine the the outcome of the game. Yes, and I th- I think. That San Diego State hasn't played anybody. In fact, Sagran ratings say it's the 101st schedule in, in FBS. I think BYU is a – Rocky Long said this is the best yes. team we're going to play. he said. Really? 7-4 yeah. BYU is the best team you've played. You haven't played anybody. San Diego State
7: can say that. Utah can say that.
1: <laughs> well, beaten. Beaten, right? excuse me, Because yes, USC yes. is a better team. Yes, yes. Frank, but yes. yes. They, yeah, and yeah. Utah has
7: beaten Washington. State,
1: yeah, San Diego State <laughs> on offense. Look at those numbers. Those are, those are putrid No, oh, this is defensive numbers. Okay, yes, they're allowing 13.7. It's going to be fun to see this matchup. I think BYU is going to have some success on offense. That's not going to be 30-plus. I don't think BYU scores 30-plus in this. But will BYU ground and pound and need to to establish the run against a team that only gives up 72 uh, yards a game? Or will will BYU, which, by the way, by the way, quietly awesome, 281 yards passing, that's top 40 in the country. BYU struggled in that last couple years. Kind of nice to see passing BYU show up again. This is who
7: we are. I'm excited to see this offense. So the offense we've seen over the last three or four games. Yes. See this offense in action one more time. And let's see how BYU because BYU can this do is the one. It. This is the offense that has gotten into a nice rhythm. Obviously, the level of competition Liberty, has United gone down. State, but but the the execution of said offense has been significantly higher. Yes, indeed. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: On BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: We're now privileged to welcome in one of the all-time greats in volleyball in the history of this planet, uh, Karch Karai. Uh, multi-gold medalist, uh, women's national team coach, and tonight, broadcaster of the BYU Pepperdine Women's Volleyball Match. It's great to have you back on BYU TV, Chris. Thank
9: you. Always great to be here in Provo. I love visiting.
1: Let's. Uh, I don't even know where to start with you. Perhaps sorry, not sorry, on the BYU men's win over your UCLA Bruins last night. <laughs>
9: <laughs> don't ever apologize. It just means we've got more work to do. So <laughs> Good attitude. Don't ever, uh, don't ever feel sorry for the Bruins, and it, we experience that a lot with our USA women's team. Nobody ever feels sorry for us. They all want to see us lose, and uh, so props to BYU, and we got uh, we Bruins have work to do.
1: And let's talk about your connections to BYU. And let's start with the uh, USA Women's National Coach. So Mary Lake was on the roster this summer. Exactly. Uh, BYU's favorite daughter, if you will, and uh, lost her passport at one point. And she ends <laughs> Some up being adventures. A, yes. She ends up being a part of the gold medal winning team in the Volleyball Nations League. What was it like to have Mary Lake on the squad? Uh,
9: Mary was a great addition to our program. Um, really got to give her a lot of props. She had to think about it, uh, think about the opportunity to come spend some time with us this past season. Um, Wasn't sure how she would do, and really threw herself into it with the unknown and the big challenge. And so yes, we went on with her, and obviously lots of great, great players who made major contributions to win the gold medal in Nations League, and then accomplish our, our biggest goal for the year, which is right after that, a few weeks later, early August, win a mini-tournament of three matches in less than 48 hours to earn the right to go to the Tokyo Olympics and compete. And congrats on that. Looking forward to that next, Thank you. next summer. That'll yeah, be and awesome. then right after that, Mary headed here to begin. So she didn't get much of a break this summer. No break, summer, yeah. And uh, headed here to begin work again for her senior season with Heather Olmstead, who does an amazing job here. Props to her uh, and all the good work she does with the BYU Lady Cougars program.
8: Well, speaking of Heather Olmstead, a legend here at BYU and, and obviously the head, head coach of the Cougars. Her dad, Rick, is a uh, longtime
9: connection. F- connect you have a connection with the Olmstead family? Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. He was my high school coach at Santa Barbara High. Fantastic coach. Love Rick. Uh, he and I actually played a few beach volleyball tournaments together as partner. Nice. We, we played together in the first ever Professional volleyball tournament that was ever held in 1976. I think it was in Santa Monica at Will Rogers State Beach. Wow. And you chose didn't win Nicholson. any prize. <laughs> didn't win any prize money. <laughs> Wanted uh, even if we had. Um, I didn't want to take any and couldn't take any because I wanted to maintain my college eligibility. I was still in high school at the time. But um, so you played with your coach. I played with my coach. That's uh, amazing. He schooled us a lot on the beach in <laughs> uh, in uh, East Beach in Santa Barbara, and then great, great coach at um, at, at Santa Barbara learned so much just about hard work and what it took to be great. Um, we took it upon ourselves. He would give us these voluntary workouts and we just worked our, we learned to work our tails off. And as it turned out, we had an undefeated year. Our senior season. You guys might have a photo. I think Maybe we have a photo. Throw that up. And at you're the... holding
1: Sean Olmsted yes. as a baby. <laughs> this is amazing, baby
9: Sean. That was hair. at the it's end awesome. of of a, an undefeated senior season. Next to me is John Hanley, one of our other great players for Santa Barbara High School. Went on to a great college career and beach career. And there's little Sean as we had just <laughs> won the championship. Of course, now Sean doing a great job with the men's program here at BYU. But the uh, um, and, and I, of course, knew Heather through the Olmstead family. And so um, love Rick's wife, Trudy, too. Uh, the trick with Rick, he's, a, he's also a great referee. Yes. he been done, doing it for many years. But we're still trying to figure out how to lure him. You know, when BYU gets to the NCAA semifinals, the NCAA finals, he gets so stressed he won't go and watch in person. So we're still trying to figure <laughs> out how do we get him there to cheer his uh, daughter on <laughs> when coaching the BYU women's team or his son on if it's the men's team. Pretty remarkable, not only his connection to you, but
1: what his kids have done in the game. It's just, it's just wild. Um, one of your assistants is a BYU guy, Lucas Slabe, um, in his first or second year. And I remember you coming to town and kind of scouting out Luca. Yeah. And we had you on a uh, men's volleyball broadcast. How's Luca done? He, he can be
9: an intense, fiery guy. Uh He's doing a great job. We love having him. Yes, I came up just about two years ago, uh, just as the men's season was starting. I think in early uh, 2018, and uh, Luca, you know, the men had a the BYU men had a really good season. So they finally lost out of the NCAAs on Thursday in the semifinals. He was in our office on Friday. Oh, about wow. six days later, we left to go. On Nations League. So he just (laughs) dove into the deep end and has been doing a great job ever since. We're super excited to have him as a part of our staff and super excited that he uh, contributes so much in our efforts. As I said, we locked down a berth to Tokyo. And so all of our planning now is uh, looking toward... The start of that olympics the uh, the opening ceremonies are july twenty fourth next year and we 're hoping to have put together a really special tournament there is he still
1: using the big
9: yes he is he 's got the big the, the, the extra model it 's got to have it almost uh, it 's got to be packed in a special bag so it doesn 't break because <laughs> our <laughs> I mean, coaching bags are big. soft it's... he puts it in uh, one of the equipment bags. And uh, he learned that. Uh, I think he might have learned that one from Marv Dunphy, one of one of my coaching mentors. And uh, Marv, um, we were talking about it before, uh, how Marv did his doctoral thesis on John Wooden. So Marv's just a, a, another one of the all time greats in coaching in any sport. But coached at Pepperdine for a long time. So, and,
1: and got his and got his doctorate at BYU. Exactly. So another yeah, connection. Yeah, another connection.
8: So as we were just looking at on screen, it, it was showing your extensive resume. And uh, greatest volleyball player of the 20th century, Uh, hundreds of matches won, and and I'm I'm curious now, now we're in 2019, how would you describe the evolution of volleyball to
9: this point, stylistically, and how it's played? Uh, Certainly it's more of a power game now. Um, most of my career when I played indoors, there wasn't the power, and I'm talking men especially, mm-hmm. there wasn't the power serving that there is now, internationally and collegiately. If you don't have a lot of guns to start the rally uh, when your team is serving, you're going to be struggling because you have to do something. To slow down the offense on the other side of the net with a perfect pass, they're very, very difficult to stop. And so people like Taylor Sander, one of the all-time greats here at BYU, one of the things he brings to any team he plays for is a great jump-spin serve. It's less common in the women's game but uh, because there aren't enough people with the power to actually cause trouble. Uh, but that's a big factor. And then uh, the integration of back row attack is much bigger now than it used to be. Uh, BYU and all the other men's college teams do a nice job with that. But it's becoming more and more a part of international women's volleyball also. And we saw it last year with the BYU women's team, somebody like Ronnie Jones-Perry. Mm-hmm. Very effective out of the back row. So that's uh, those are the power. And the fact that the athletes are taller, jumping higher, and hitting more effectively out of the back row, those are a couple of big ones. Interesting. And let's finish. Finish with the match at hand tonight, which you're here
1: to call with Paul Sunderland. What a what a duo for this match. We're excited to have you guys. Uh, BYU and Pepperdine. BYU trying to get the best seed they can. Pepperdine trying to get an attorney.
9: You're right. Um, This is a very important match. I think for both teams. Uh, BYU got to host as one of the top four seeds all the way through, and the atmosphere here last year playing Texas in that regional final. I'm getting. (laughs) <laughs> major goosebumps thinking about it. I wasn't here, but just seeing it on television was yeah. fantastic. Love the BYU crowds uh, and how much passion they have. So BYU now trying to get... Maybe a top 16 seed and the right to at least host the first two rounds. BYU is not really in the running to get a top four seed and maybe host the regional rounds. And then Pepperdine just working to get into the tournament. This seems like a, a near must-win for Pepperdine. And Pepperdine's put together a really strong WC season, WCC season, beating USD, giving them their only yep. loss. BYU coming up short twice in the five-set matches. So I'm excited it should be a great match and lots of implications in this uh, that carry to the selection show and beyond. Absolutely.
1: Well, it was great to have you in studio. Always great to see you. And would you mind signing our flag back here? That'll Love be, to. Would that be all right? Awesome. Kay. There you are. Thanks, guys. Now we've got to actually protect this flag, you know?
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: Spencer Linton is now joining us uh, from San Diego. And Spencer, uh, first off, how is the weather this morning in San Diego?
0: Uh, surprisingly, a little bit of sunshine. We anticipated like a, a deluge of rain, which happened yesterday. But uh, the clouds have broken for the moment. There will be some rain later today, but thankfully. Come game time, uh, it should be relatively dry. So I'm just—I'll take what I can get.
7: Have you had any altercations with the Channel Four news team?
0: I have not run into Ron Burgundy. Um, I did hear the <laughs> Champ kind is uh, bearing down on our yeah, rivalry, me. though, as sportscasters. So I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for Champ. I-, I hear he has
7: a chicken joint. If you want to <laughs> stop by. <laughs> That, that'll be featured in
0: our Taste of San Diego tomorrow. <laughs> on yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and have fun today uh, going around shooting that. Um, some news came out, uh, you know, the last day or two about San Diego State's going to start Carson Baker. Ryan Agnew is hurt and uh, isn't going to play. Does that change your expectations for tomorrow?
0: Absolutely it does. And I think that Kalani Satake, because he is a smart coach, uh, he will dial up some really, really exotic and intriguing blitzes in Uh, weird situations and to try and fluster this, uh, new quarterback. I mean, talking about a kid that's never taken division one snaps. So I, it does change my expectations. San Diego state's offense was mediocre at best downright bad at times. And I don't anticipate that it will get better all of a sudden because you're throwing a kid that hasn't taken any snaps. And I'm sure you guys have discussed just the same. Uh, BYU basketball had quite the
7: showing. Two out of uh, three wins in Maui, finishing third in the Maui Invitational. Uh, we have dusted off the tourney train hat. It's on the set now. It's on the set right now. Are you about to jump aboard the tourney train for BYU basketball?
0: Please, Jason. Of course I am. I'm driving the train. I've been the engineer for a few years. Well, I haven't worn it for a few years, but I'm, I am the first in line in excitement to get on board that train because I think BYU is uh, putting together a resume, and now Yoli Childs comes back after Montana Tech. So, yes,
3: yes, in my Bill Walton voice,
0: get on the tourney train. It's time. This is Roland Minson basketball. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, let's hustle into some going-for-two picks. Can you predict the future? Yes. These guys
2: think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation.
1: Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Final regular season game. What
0: are your two picks, Spencer? Uh, Number one, I think that Jake Oldroyd, or for that matter, any field goal kicker, will make at least two field goals for BYU. San Diego State's defense is really good. Their red zone defense is really good, which is going to create some more opportunities for BYU down there. Um, so I think BYU will make at least two field goals tomorrow. And my second pick uh, – First to 17 wins. If BYU can score 17 points, they're going to win this game against San Diego State. I think the Aztecs' offense just isn't that great. So first to 17 wins, those are my going for two picks.
1: Okay, those are nice. I've already won the competition, so these are all for fun. Uh, Pick one. BYU will score 24-plus. No team has scored 24-plus. This season against San Diego State, BYU will be the first. And they give up 14 a game. And my second pick, Zach Wilson will throw for 215-plus. San Diego State gives up 205 a game. I think Zach will have a good game through the air. Okay, those are our going for two picks. I've already won. I'm up five with two games to go, but we'll continue to do it. Spencer, congratulations uh, on uh, the competition, and uh, have fun in San Diego. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got it.
0: Whammy! I had a
1: brick for me.
2: (laughs) Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar
1: Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, San Diego State's offense stinks, as we chronicled before, but the defense is really good. Top 10, in fact, in rushing defense, uh, points, and yards as well. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes knows it'll be a challenge. He discusses that and other topics in this one-on-one conversation with Spencer Linton earlier this week.
0: Coach, five straight wins now for BYU football. I want you to walk us through the emotions and the culture in the locker room compared to just before the Boise State game when the win streak started and to now. How has it shifted?
14: Well, it's interesting you asked that. We were just talking about that. Um, Ed Lamb just spoke to the team after after practice, and um, he talked about being desperate and hungry for a win, and he talked about how hungry we were at that time coming off of some losses and uh, challenged our team to make sure we still have that same sort of desperation. Um, I, I think we do. I hope we do. Um, but that will be um, – that'll only manifest itself in, in uh, a way that we can recognize by how we play on Saturday.
0: It's been fun to watch you engage with the players on the sideline and uh, see you excited at times and, and kind of take that role from moving out of the press box down onto the sideline. What's been the best part
14: about that for you? Just being a part of it. I miss being on the sideline and, and having an opportunity to celebrate with the guys and then as well um, challenge them when that's necessary has been something that, uh, that I've really enjoyed getting back to.
0: Your offensive line has been challenged with depth, but it seems that they have uh, answered the call for the most part. What do you think of the offensive line play overall under Coach Mateos?
14: Um, progressing, for sure. I think if you if you look at the way that we've played um, over the past few weeks, I think you see um, a gradual and steady climb towards what we would like for it to be ultimately. And And like a lot of other parts of our offense, not quite where it can be yet, but moving in the right direction.
0: Give us an idea of what kind of challenge San Diego State will present to your offense defensively when you face them in Southern California.
14: Yeah, really, really good defense. Starts with talent. They don't have a weak spot anywhere defensive line although a little bit undersized unbelievably active and relentless to the ball i think brady Hoke's done a great job as their defensive line coach has gotten them to play hard and do a great job playing with their hands and and to be able to shed blockers and get to the ball their linebackers are physical they come up and blitz and play like a a fourth or fifth defensive lineman a lot of the time and and will hit you right in the face as many times as you'll let them their secondary is athletic Uh, good cover skills and and will tackle you as well. And so just from a talent standpoint, that'll be the first challenge. Um, Tough and gritty. You know, I think they are a lot like any of the Rocky Long defenses I've played against for a number of years, Um, just really um, physical in the way they approach the game. And I think they play the game the right way. There are a few schematic differences in terms of the way that they line up and the way they attack your protections and your run game, but still very similar in that Rocky's going to throw a lot at you, a lot of stunts, a lot of pressures, and make it um, a real challenge for your line and, and tight ends and running backs to be able to both create running lanes and protect the quarterback.
0: Now, Given that you've played against some tough fronts, notably Utah and Washington had some athletes up front when they came to Provo. Tennessee also has a lot of athletes. What have those games taught you about how you can attack San Diego State?
14: Well, I think those those teams expose your weaknesses. And so um, similar to going against our first defense in practice, you know, we spend a a period of time every day on Tuesdays and Wednesdays going good on good. And if you don't have those moments, then you don't find out where your deficiencies are. And so I think those games certainly did that for us. And I think um, whether those games are ones that we won or lost, they helped us move in the right direction.
0: You beat Boise State and you beat Utah State, a couple of those top-tier Mountain West Conference teams. Now you get San Diego State. They don't score a ton offensively. What type of game do you expect based on their solid defense and the fact that they just
14: haven't given up a ton of points? Um, you know, they've played a lot of close games and they've been able to keep the score low. I think because they hang on to the ball. They've got um, a high time of possession with their offense and the way they play the game and try to limit possessions for the opposing offense. And then as, as I mentioned before, a really tough physical defense. And so I expect it to be a hard fought game. I hope it's not low scoring, um, but we'll be happy if we come out with a win regardless of the score.
0: Zach Wilson told me after the game against UMass that his thumb feels great, his shoulder feels stronger than it has since it was surgically repaired over the summer. Is Zach Wilson officially back, in your opinion?
14: Yeah, I think so. I think like, like any player at, at any point in the season, there, there's still improvement that can be made. But in terms of, of his health, I think he's, I think he's back, and, and I think we'll see a great performance from him this week.
0: Now, if it comes to needing Baylor Romney, how is his foot doing in his progression and getting back to 100% health?
14: Yeah, I, I think it's getting better, but it's been slower than we would like for it to be. Same with Jaron. You know, both of those guys have hung in there and continued to work and improve, um, but um, hopefully they'll be close to full speed if not their Saturday.
0: Where do you feel like your offense has taken the biggest step forward in terms of progression this season? Or, in fact, in your whole tenure as offensive coordinator at BYU over the last almost two seasons? Um...
14: I think just overall production. If you look at our yards per game, um... We're, we're up over 100 yards per game in terms of our average. Our scoring is up. Our third down efficiency is up significantly over what it was last year. Our big plays, explosive plays, which is one of the things that we talked about a lot um, this fall camp and early in the season, explosive plays are up by a large margin and so I think having those big plays has probably been as big a difference as anything you know in college football it's difficult to to march the ball four yards uh, um, per play all the way down the field Um, and so I think those big plays um, maybe as much as anything have have helped us take that jump
0: i got to ask you about the running back situation. Jackson McChesney told me that he wasn't sure if he was dealing with reality after he ran for 228 yards and said, I've just got to make sure that this is real, and I assured him that it was real. But what kind of a role will he play the rest of the season, along with Lopini Katoa and Tyler Algier and uh, Emmanuel Isupa, maybe?
14: Yeah, you know, it's, it's been uh, truly a revolving door there at that position, as well as some others this year. Uh, but what I'm proud of is that we've really adopted a philosophy of next man up there and we've gotten contributions from so many different players, certainly not the way we would want it to go, um, but I think the ability for those guys at, at that position as well as, as in the offensive line and at quarterback as well, I think the, the willingness and ability for guys to step in and play well speaks to our um, youth and our, our depth and, and our resilience as a team.
0: We'll finish with this. Uh, the mustache is looking nice and trim, solid, full. Um, is it that indicative of, of how you feel about the season at this point?
14: <laughs> oh, well, I think, um, I think what we've accomplished of late is <laughs> definitely more significantly Im- <laughs> important than, uh, than the fullness of my mustache. How about that? <laughs>
0: Coach, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Go Cougs.
1: Spencer Linton with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. He liked that uh, observation at the end.
7: That is a good mustache. That's good. Like, Jeff Grimes can rock a legit mustache. Yes. I cannot. I know that. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be
2: back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: Following BYU football's dominant performance over UMass on Saturday, 56-24 in Amherst, I had the chance to speak with a top-six rusher all-time in terms of an individual game, Jackson McChesney, and he wasn't really sure that it was reality, but it was very real, and his 228 yards propelled BYU to a dominant victory. Here is my one-on-one interview from the BYU-TV post-game, Jackson McChesney. Jackson you run for 224 yards today the first 200 plus rusher for BYU since Squally Canada did it in 2017 uh, why was it so successful the rushing attack with you specifically today
15: I've, I don't know I don't know what was happening I'm still trying to figure out if this is real or not you know I'm just getting back and trying to get back into things but but last game you know I did all right my coach fixed up a couple little things like how I'm running the ball and, and the line opened up the holes and it happened to be open I happened to be the one in the game at the time. You see your comrade
0: Sione Finau go down with a season-ending injury, knowing that you and now Tyler Algieri need to step up. How do you handle the pressure of coming back east, knowing that you're supposed to beat this team, but then still coming out and executing at a high level?
15: You know, seeing Sione go down is really hard especially since I've experienced with my older brother going down for the same injury. And so it's just kind of hard. It brought a little bit of passion to me to be able to play even harder for someone that that couldn't be here at this time.
0: You're not that far removed from a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Do you feel like you're all the way back 100%?
15: I don't feel like I'm quite 100%, as you can see, getting ran down a couple times. But I feel like I'm getting closer.
0: What did BYU's offense learn today that will help you against
15: San Diego State next week? Um, That we can run the ball. That our guys up front are getting a good push. And when they're pushing the guys four or five yards down the line, it's really easy to get 10, 15. Seven to nothing
0: after the first quarter, and then it's 49 to nothing at halftime. A record 42 points in the second quarter. How does an offense string that together after somewhat of a slow start in the first quarter?
15: You know, we knew it was coming. We were just waiting for it to hit. And so it finally hit, and and we took off. What did you see from your quarterback, Zach Wilson, today that makes you think that he's getting back to his usual self? Uh, He's just always doing what he does. You know, he's always making plays, throwing that deep ball, completing passes, and that's what he does.
0: Would you still be a sprint champion
15: if you ran a race today? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so, but I'll make sure I get it back. Congratulations
0: on 224 yards and another big win. Thank you. All right, now let me clarify. I was told 224 oh, at bad the info. moment. Come on, and then it was changed to 228 yards. But he still got that mission accent. Oh, I love man. it. I He's love so it. So fresh. He went to Chile. He's come so, back a couple so months ago. I don't know <laughs> if this is real. I'm just happy to be here. I wish
1: he had said, and I know that we won today. Had a great game. He probably loved the safety zone videos. Let's be honest.
7: It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Soccer. It was in the script at the end again. I already took it out just so we don't have a, have <laughs> we had, a repeat. We had an issue. Yeah, we so, had, a, James, had a little bit of, a, of an issue. We had a lot of it. Yeah. Number four women's soccer taking on number one Stanford today in the Elite Eight in a oh! showdown. Oh! Okay, so get that man a Ricola. Uh, the number one and number two offenses in the country, a Ricola, however they say it. I don't know. Game is at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific at Kagan Field. You can listen on BYU Radio, which is what we recommend, and you can watch on the Pac-12 Network. BYU looking to get to their first Final Four in program
1: history. Oh. Football. BYU flies to San Diego today to play San Diego State tomorrow. Cougars have won six in a row against the Aztecs, who, according to their head coach, don't want to play BYU. (laughs) Pre-game begins with Cougar pre-game live on BYU Radio, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, with Jason Shepard. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff is an hour later. Cougars in the NFL.
7: Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints defeating the Atlanta Falcons last night, 26-18. Taysom had a blocked punt, a receiving touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. And a
1: partridge <laughs> in a pear tree. That
7: all happened in the first half, and this stat is just amazing. At NFL Research says Hill is the second quarterback since 1950 to have a rushing and receiving TD since Jim McMahon,
1: another BYU Cougar, did it in 1983. Crazy. Men's basketball. Brigham is 5-3 and three after a 90-77 win against Virginia Tech in the Maui Invitational to take third place. How about that? T.J. Haas came alive in the second half, scored 20 points total in the game. Cougars tied a program record with 17 made threes. Awesome. Tomorrow, BYU hosts Montana Tech out of Butte on BYU TV and BYU Radio. It's pregame on the radio starting at 2 Eastern.
7: Jimmer had 21 points, four rebounds, and five assists in a 100 to 68 Pan- Panathinaikos win
1: over Basconia. I love that Basque is in the name for a basketball team. That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Volleyball Cougars await their NCAA tournament seeding this Sunday night. BYU is 25 and four overall. Hope to be a top 16 seed and host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament next weekend. Our question of the day, which BYU team would you wait in a Black Friday line to buy right now and why? At 1971 underscore Sparky on Twitter. Hey there, Sparky. (laughs) Women's soccer. Although both men's basketball and football are exciting as heck right now, the soccer team is playing for a national championship. I mean, come on, man. Love them all. Go Cougs. Keep it going. Keep it going.
0: Absolutely. Each time BYU plays a big name team for the first time, and for that matter, first time in a while, you can guarantee that Twitter will be ablaze, especially if the game is on ESPN talking about the old men from BYU. and It was
1: really advantageous last night.
0: White b-ball success and all sorts of fun stuff. We present to you now, Read My Tweets, a Kansas Jayhawk edition presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. You ready to do this, Jerem?
1: Yes, at the true new. Number 30 for BYU basketball, that's T.J. Haas, actually
0: is Brigham Young. (laughs) Now you need a beard for that. Come on. Yeah. And the many more wives. At Bub66OHM says, is it a rule that BYU basketball has to have a guy that looks like he's 40 on the team? Yes, it is. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff
1: Campbell. <laughs> At everybody? At everybody? No, I think
0: it, we forgot the Twitter handle. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, everybody who plays basketball for BYU is a married 22-year-old named Orson with two kids <laughs> who shoots 40% from three and 85% from the stripes. I wish some of that was the case.
0: At Barstool Big Cat yep, in on this. Okay, okay. Number forty, Colby Lee, on BYU is such an ugly runner, I can't get enough of him. Just a big man running up and down the court, never showing up in the sheet, getting in a sweat. <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs>
1: Thanks to today's guests, Trevor Maddich and Karch Karai. In case you missed it, here's some of the best of Bill Walton from last night.
12: Okay, well, so. the Cougars. I love Cougars. Here oh in Maui. Arr, arr. <laughs> Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of little ones. So, These they... Cougars have come to fight today. Arr. Everybody under 6'10 looks exactly the same to me. Guards. Feed the post, inbound the ball, play token defense on the perimeter, and get out of the way. <laughs> but this guy, how did he become Danny Ainge's nephew? Uh, I think he was born into it. It's usually how it works. Really? Why does Danny always look so happy? One of the 12 worst possessions in the history of UCLA basketball. What were the... Trying to do your best aim story, Bill. I don't live in a qualitative binary decision making world. And I looked at both of them and I pointed to Danny and I said, Hey, the only thing I hate more than a guard. And then I turned to Jerry Ceasing and I said, Is a second string guard. And then,
4: <laughs> and then I
12: walked away and said, Let's play ball. <laughs> Cougars clawing, proud, growling. Arr, arr. An absolute clinic on how to play basketball. Congratulations to the Cougars, Mark Pope. What a start to a brilliant career in the WCC.
1: Nobody is like Bill Walton, and that's probably a
2: good thing. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU
9: TV and BYU Radio.